Welcome! I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we are studying the Word of God. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Today is episode 555. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's read our passage. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. This is Paul's letter to the church in Rome. He's providing this letter as a theology of the gospel. He's writing it from Corinth on his third missionary journey. His intention is to go to Jerusalem with a collection, then go to Rome, spend some time there, help strengthen the church, then go on to Spain. Chapter 12 begins a new section in the letter to the church in Rome. There's a shift in the mood of the verbs, whereas before they've mostly been indicative, that is, statements of fact. This is the way it is. And there's now a shift to the imperative mood, a command, do this. And it's something we should expect. Paul's talked about the linkage between faith and obedience that they're, they're linked together. And it's not that you do this first, then that. It's all part of the same thing. And so he's been talking about justification by faith, to give an understanding of justification by faith. Now he's shifting at the beginning of chapter 12 to how do you live as someone who is justified by faith? And so that begins in chapter 12 and runs to chapter 15 here. The section today, Romans 12, 1 and 2, is a parallel passage in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. It's a little bit longer, actually, in the Ephesians passage. Ephesians 4, starting with verse 17, he says, Therefore I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thoughts. They're darkened to their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, and because the heart is their hearts. They became cows and gave themselves over to promiscuity from the practice of every kind of impurity, with the desire for more and more. But that's not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught with him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. So it's a very similar passage to this section in Romans chapter 12. This idea of don't be like the corrupt way you used to be, but instead act like the follower of Christ that you are. And put off that old self, put on the new self, be changed. So let's dive into chapter 12. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, meaning the cause of chapters 1 through 11, all that theology. And it's not that it's just theology and now it's practical, but he's been explaining justification by faith. And in light of all that, brothers and sisters, he says, in view of the mercies of God, and he's just been talking about the mercies of God. He wrapped up chapter 11 with this. Isn't it amazing what God has done? That God has just done amazing stuff. He has done it, is doing it, and will continue to do it. 
and he includes us in that. And that's pretty neat. So that's the mercies of God he's talking about. He says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. There's a lot there. First, he says, I urge you. He doesn't say, I ask you, and he doesn't say, I command you. This is somewhere in between. I urge you. Urge, some translations say exhort. There's an idea of some authority there, but it's not a flat-out command. Do this. But he's speaking as an authoritative ambassador of God of, this is the right thing to do, guys. I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, he's using kind of the Old Testament language here, and he's been talking about the Mosaic Law. And very central to the Mosaic Law was the idea of sacrifice. Sacrifice was something you gave back to God. And you got something out of it, though. You did it to pay for sin. You did it sometimes just as a, an act of worship. Sometimes it was required. Sometimes it was voluntary. But here he's saying, I urge you to present your body as a living sacrifice, meaning this is voluntary, but it's strongly urging you to do it because it's the right thing to do. Now he says, present your bodies. What's he mean by that? Body can mean a lot of things, from just your flesh and blood part of you, your physical protoplasm, to the whole being. I think he means more the whole being there, the all of you, your entire self, your entire person. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Now, he doesn't say living bodies. He says living sacrifice. So living modifies sacrifice. And by that, just means an ongoing, I think he's making the contrast there with a, a burnt offering that you would kind of make with the Old Testament stuff. That's, that's not the kind of sacrifice he's talking about. He's talking about an ongoing sacrifice that will continue as long as you live. And a sacrifice that's something offered to God. Now, so I think the use of the word bodies really has, makes kind of a nuance of an emphasis on our relationship with the world the physical world. So that may be. Uh, the whole point is your your entire self is to be offered to God on an ongoing basis. Not a once and for all thing, but an ongoing basis. And it's to be holy and pleasing to God. Holy means set apart. And he adds, this is your true worship. Now, worship, he's not talking about a worship event not talking about a single event or place gathering or anything like that. He's talking about an ongoing way of life, all places, all times. This is how you to live the rest of your life is a living sacrifice. And it's your true worship. There's some struggle translating the word that gets translated as true here. The word is logikos, which is an adjective. And it's only used two places in the Bible here. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, where he talks about desiring the pure milk of the word. In both cases, it's kind of a fuzziness. There's a lot of ways it can be translated. Some is just spiritual, some is rational, some is reasonable, some translated as true. And all those just mean this is the right kind of worship to be offering to God. Now verse 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. As some Bible say, do not be conformed to this world. 
Now the word actually, the Greek word is eon, which means age. And so it is appropriate to say age. But translated as world gives the same connotation. That is to the, the old way of life, the fallen, corrupt, sinful pattern of life that we used to be a part of and is all around us. Don't be conformed to that. So don't allow it to change who we are. Now, age is a good way to think about it. And I know you're thinking, gosh, it's been days since you mentioned the already not yet concept. Well, okay, let's do that now. Remember this thing we've talked about a few times, already not yet. And it talks about the ages, the present age, which is where everybody's been living, and the age to come, which is the anticipated what God is going to do. And we live in this already not yet. You could also define it as the kingdom of God, where Jesus came and established the kingdom of God, but not fully. So it's already here, but not fully. So we have this already not yet. And if we want to use the word age in here, the present age, the age to come. So the age to come is already here, but not yet fully here. And we live in this overlap time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ, where we live physically in the, the present age, but we live spiritually in the age to come. We are in the world, but not of the world. That's where all those ideas come from. And so don't be conformed to the present age, because we're supposed to be being conformed to the age to come, the kingdom of God. So don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And transforms an ongoing process. Salvation is a, an event in, in a, our way of thinking. It's, I, I was not saved. I accepted Christ, and now I am saved. And that's justification by faith. That's, that's, it happens. You're either there or not there. But this transformation is an ongoing process. It's not that suddenly you've been transformed. In some respects, you have been transformed from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. But this transforming of the mind is what he's talking about. That's an ongoing process. Don't be influenced by the world around us, but be changed in how we think to think more along the lines of God. And then there's a, an outcome of that, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And, and the object there is, you'll be able to understand better what God is doing and what God wants from you if you have this transforming of the mind. Now, you ever be done being transformed? No, it's an ongoing process. But as we are transformed, we're better able to understand the will of God, better understand what God is doing and what God wants and how to live as God's people. So how do you do this? Paul doesn't give a formula here. He's going to talk a lot in the, the coming chapters about this. But one, it's not going to happen without the Holy Spirit. Part of that once and for all thing that happens of salvation is the receiving of the Holy Spirit. But then we can either resist the Holy Spirit or cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So how much are we open to the Holy Spirit being at work in our lives? And that's related to our relationship with God. Yeah, we're related to God. We're children of God. We're adopted by God. But 
you just step back and ask, how is your relationship with God on a health basis? And that's generally how open are we to the, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. It's tied to prayer. Are we talking with God on a regular basis? Not telling God things we want him to do. Not telling God things he already knows and suggesting how he ought to deal with them. But talking with God. Talking with God about who he is. Praising God for who he is. Thanking God for who he is and what he does. And talking with God about what he wants. Then we can talk about what we want. And it's not going to happen without being in the word of God. God's given us the Bible as his revelation to us. So we can know stuff. Not to be smarter, but to know him better and know how to be his people better. That's part of this renewing of the mind. Being in the word of God and allowing that to transform us. Not just give us information, but transform how we think. And be prayer, talking with God about that. And be in healthy fellowship with other believers. You can't be in a healthy relationship with God and not be in a healthy relationship with with God's people. And so are you part of a, a healthy church? Being with them on an ongoing regular basis, being accountable to them and growing with them. So all those are things that we already know, but just reemphasize this is how you are transformed through the renewing of your mind. Are you taking in the word of God? Are you in prayer with the Lord? Are you in fellowship with God's people? Are you open to the Holy Spirit, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, desirous of the Holy Spirit? Or maybe you got it covered on your own. This begins a section of what's it look like to live as people who have been justified by faith. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Romans 